You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. Good morning. All right, we are in Jude. We're going to be in Jude for a little bit, and uh, I'm excited about it. We're uh, going to look, look into the first four verses here. So my encouragement to you is, I mean, if you have a Bible, bring it. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible underneath one of those chairs that you're sitting on or the one next to you. Grab one of those. Take it home with you. We'd love, uh, we'd love for you to have one. I believe at the welcome desk, if you do not have a study Bible, I believe we have study Bibles there. You're more than welcome to request one, and we will give that to you free of charge. You don't have to pay for it. Uh, we are about the Bible here, and so uh, we are in June, and, uh, and so let's just get at it. Uh, have you ever thought about what it must have been like growing up around Jesus? So what we know from the Bible is that Jesus, Jesus was obviously the firstborn. Uh, Joseph was his stepdad. He was born of a virgin, but Mary and Joseph had children after him. Jude actually uh, is believed to be a half-brother of Jesus. The reason why we think that is because Jude introduces himself, and he also says that uh, he's the brother of James. James is also the half-brother of Jesus, the, James that's, uh, the, the epistle of James that's in, in your Bible. And I just thought about that. Imagine growing up with Jesus. Like, I was not kind to my brother. I don't know about you. Like, I, I would make him lie about, uh, about his peanut butter and jelly sandwich and encourage him to throw it in the trash and then go tell on him. Like, that's, that's what I would do. Uh, I, I was mean to my brother. Jesus obviously was not mean to his brothers, but he was like, imagine your older brother being perfect in every way. Uh, I don't know what that would be like. And, and so what we learn from, from the Bible is that is that not a, like his brothers didn't believe in him? Like even though Jesus accomplished, you know, did these miracles and he did all these great things, his brothers did not believe in him. Jude did not come to faith in Jesus until after Jesus rose from the grave. Uh, and so that kind of gives you some some context here. And what's interesting about this is that Jude doesn't even introduce himself as the half brother of Jesus. Like, I would think if you're, if you're trying to get somebody's attention, you say, hey, listen to me, because I'm the half-brother of Jesus. But he doesn't do that. What does he do? He says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. From the very, from the very you know, out the gate, he, he makes the statement, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the crazy thing. Servant can, I, I don't know why the ESV or some of the other translations use the word servant instead of slave. I mean, I do know why. I mean, I think it's because of our, our history, uh, so I, I think that's part of it. But, but the word, the Greek word here is doulos. Now, you don't need to know the Greek word, but what you do need to know is, is there's, there's a, there is a Greek word that's translated servant. We get the word deacon from it. And then there's a word, Greek word, doulos, where we tra- that's translated slave. What Jude is saying here is, hey, before I am anything, before I am even the, the, the brother of James, I am a slave to Jesus. Now, he's not saying, using slave in a negative sense. I'm a slave 
to Jesus who is my master and my Lord. And he is a good master and he's a good Lord. He, 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 he loves me and he, and he keeps me and he cherries. And we're going to unpack all this, what that, what that means. But, but I find that very interesting. And um, he's writing this letter because he, there are people who have crept into the church who deny Jesus as their master and Lord. So I just wanted to set that all up for you. I was thinking of some of our church history and just, just the history of the church. I don't know if you know this, but for the first 300 years of the church, it was illegal to be a Christian it, with, as the Roman Empire did their thing. There was a, I mean, you may, may even know of this name, uh, Marcus Aurelius. You've probably, maybe you've heard of him, maybe, maybe in a movie somewhere. Uh, under his reign, there was this Christian by the name of Sanctus, and uh, he was from uh, Vienna. And like I said, it was illegal to be a Christian, and it was discovered that he was a Christian. So they arrested him, and uh, they, Im- they implored him, just renounce Jesus Christ, renounce Jesus Christ. If you renounce Jesus, you'll live, you know, it will go well with you. And every time they asked Sanctus to renounce his faith, you know what his answer was? I am a Christian. To everything that they said to him, he said, I am a Christian. They beat him. They cut him. It, got to, it was so, so bad that there was not one part of his body that was without a bruise, without bruises, or without, without bleeding. Uh, they put him in a cell, and they brought him back out the next day, and they asked him the same thing. Will you renounce Jesus? And he said, he answered the same way, I am a Christian. They heated up plates and they seared his flesh with it. Will you renounce Jesus? His answer was, I am a Christian. Finally, they just got tired of him and they cut his throat. They did all this before a jeering crowd as sport. One historian said this, and the words will be on the screen. He said, they, speaking of these Christians who suffered, they would reply to all the questionings about them with the short but comprehensive answer, I am a Christian. Again and again, caused no little perplexity to their judges by the, per, 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 I can't even say it. <laughs> per, thank you. Uh, or persistency. <laughs> persistency, that's what it means. Uh, with which they adhered to this brief profession of faith. This qu- the question was repeated, who are you? And they replied, I have already said that I am a Christian, and he who says that has thereby named his country, his family, his profession, and all things else besides. And so a lot of these Christians, well, all these Christians that were arrested were killed. You know, Sanctus understood the same thing that Jude understood. Sanctus understood himself to be a doulos of Jesus Christ. That was his identity. I was talking to, uh, to some friends earlier this week about that. You know, our identity is in Christ. Jude understood this. Sanctus understood this. Be- before you were male, before you were female, before you, whoever, whatever the name is that your mom or your dad gave you, you are, if you're a Christian, that is your identity. You are a Christian. You are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and, and this Jesus will make demands upon your life. There, those demands lead to life. 
But, and, and Jude understood this. And he said, so I'm a doulos. I am a slave of Jesus Christ. And by the way, I'm also the brother of James. And then he goes on and he just describes who these Christians are. And I just want to unpack that with you today. I just think this is so encouraging. And the first is this, is this who is the Christian? Because Judah answers it for us in just this first verse. Like, who is the Christian? Another way I'll ask that question is, who are you, brothers and sisters? Like, who are you? Think about that. What is your identity truly rooted in? From what, where, or whom do you draw your identity? You know, at the heart of, of what threatened the Christians to whom Jude wrote his letter, because he was just going to say, hey, let's re, I want to reflect on this common faith that we share. He said, but instead I decided I, I really needed to encourage you to contend for the faith because there are, there are people who have crept in unnoticed. They've crept in. And they threaten to confuse you about who you truly are. So who are you? Look at it. I mean, this is so loaded. You want to know why we're spending, uh, I said five weeks last week. We're actually going to spend six weeks. <laughs> you want to know why we're spending six weeks and 25 verses? Because look at, look at that second part of verse one. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Now, just let that stew on your, your, your hearts for a little bit. Let that, let, let that settle on your mind for a little bit. Like, what does it mean for these Christians to be called? What does it mean for them to be beloved? What does it mean for them to be kept? What does it mean for you to be called? If you're a Christian, you're called. If you're a Christian, you are, you, you're beloved. If you're a Christian, you are kept. What does it mean? I just want to unpack this for you. you know, to those who are called. Now, represented in this room, uh, each of you were called in different ways by, by this great and awesome God who loves you. I was reflecting on it uh, upon my own calling. You know, when, when, I mean, we're, it's July 16th, July 12th, I was hit by a car. Most of you, most of you know this. On, in 1991, this is where I was hit. I was, craw I was coming out of that bowling alley. I got halfway across the street, and I was hit about 35 to 45 miles an hour. That's why I have the scar in the back of my head. I was rushed to St. Mary's Hospital. This is the, ho the, hosp this is the hospital I was rushed to. I uh, woke up and saw a priest standing over me. And I thought, oh, this is it. I'm dead. And, and he said, <laughs> I said, am I, am I dying? And his answer to me was, no, I think you'll be okay. My dad was so, well, my dad was like three shades of white that day. Because all he got was a phone call. Your son has been hit by a car. He's in serious condition. You need to come to the hospital. And when, when he arrived, I, he was pale. And uh, the doctor was stitching up my head. And, and uh, my dad just was beside himself. And he was also a licensed practical nurse. And so the doctor asked him, would you like to help? <laughs> uh, because he felt like my dad needed something to do. There was a lady in the, who was assigned to my care, the nurse, who was the wife of the youth director of my dad's church. Like, this is how God called me. Like, a year before I was hit by the car, my dad... And Jackie Peregrine, who was like a mom to me, who I spent all my weekends over her house, my dad got his hand cut off, and God used that to, to get a hold of his attention. And Jackie started reading her Bible. Somebody told my dad about Jesus. He gave his life to Jesus. And then Jackie was introduced to Jesus by, by reading her Bible. And no matter where I went, I was hearing about God. That's how God was calling me. And for you, it was probably different. You all each have your own little, your, your story of how God met you where you were at. 
The story of the Bible is amazing. From Genesis to Revelation, we read of a God who pursues sinners. He pursues sinners. He pursued me. He was there with me as I was laying in the middle of Route 1 in shock. As I laid there in shock, head bleeding. He was there with me when I was taken to the hospital. He was there when Daryl O'Dare stood at the foot of my hospital bed and told me about Jesus. And then I found a picture of my old home. There it is. That's where I grew up. And on, in this room, where this was our living room where you see the, the, the uh, number of, of the house. That was our living room. And on July 18th, in the middle of that room, nobody was around me. Everything that Daryl shared with me, everything that, that my father shared with me, everything that Jackie shared with me hit me like a flood. I was 16 years old, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. That's how God called me. God called you, and it may be a different way, but he called you nonetheless. He met you where you were. And, uh, and it's just it's, it's amazing how, how God you know, does that. He pursues sinners. I said to somebody earlier this week, God chases sinners like a cop chases a thief, right? We don't go looking for God like a thief doesn't go looking for a cop. He, he, but he found us. That's the difference. Like he found us. I got in a lot of trouble when I was, in, when I was a teenager. I, I, I mean, we did all kinds of stupid stuff um, where that would elicit the police to try to find us. And uh, I, I remember one time there was a group of us and one of the, one of the guys, I, I lived by this train tracks and there's always freight trains that were on those tra- train tracks. And we, you know, my, my friends would either try to j- jump on the train as it was moving or uh, if they had like a quarter stick of dynamite, they tried to blow the pin out of the, out of the train. I remember they did that, I was with them blew the pin out of the freight train, and immediately, I guess the, the train knew, or whoever was conducting the train knew that something happened, and there were swarms of police. Guess what we did? We ran. <laughs> we also hid. That is us spiritually, running and hiding from God, and he pursues us. But Jude is just letting us know. Like, I mean, think of Jude. Like, he did not believe Jesus was the Messiah, and God found him and met him where he was at. Those who are called. But that's not the only thing. There's more. We're not only called, but we're beloved. We're beloved. This is a rich word. Uh, In the English, it's a little misleading. What does it mean to be be beloved? Is it just like this affection that, that God has for us? Is he just, you know, he just finds us, you know, appealing or no, that's not what's being talked about here. The word, the Greek word that comes, that's translated beloved here, that's used is agape. It's an unconditional love. God, brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian, God agapes you. It's an unconditional love. It's not conditioned on anything you're able to bring to him. Hey, God, God didn't have a checklist that you had to, you had to meet for him to love you. There was nothing there to warrant his love. God wasn't lonely. He wasn't thinking, man, I just need a buddy. I need a friend. He, he pursued you because the Bible just gives us a simple fact that he loves you. He set his love upon you. And, uh, and because you are beloved, he keeps you. 
He keeps you. I mean, think about that. Like, you are, if you're a Christian in this room, you, because, because God called you, meaning he found you, and he softened your heart, you heard the gospel, you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in the, in maybe in a similar way that I did on July 18th, or, or maybe it was just kind of a, a process that resulted in you believing in Jesus, but uh, nonetheless, he called you, you placed your faith and trust in him, and the evidence that, that he called you uh, is, is that you believed in him, and the evidence that he he loves you is that you believe in him. And what Jude tells us here is not only that, not only that, but he keeps you. He keeps you. He promises to not let you go. I, that is reassuring to me. Because I, if I'm honest with you, I will let him go a thousand times over if left to my own devices. I, I am weak. I, he, but he keeps me. There's a song, there's a line in the song, maybe you're familiar with it. My G, I remember uh, when I was at uh, another church, Northwest Baptist Church, my friend Ryan was leading worship, and, and we sang that song, and there's a line in that song, My Jesus, I'll never let you go. And I listened to it, and I thought about them, like, that's not true. I will let him go. Like, I, I have a propensity to let him go. But the reality is, is that I have a Jesus who will not let me go. He will not let me go. Jude is telling us this. He's like, those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. And what I love about this is those who are called. And then, and then connected to that are these, these, these realities that are true of every Christian that are connected to each member of the Trinity. This God who's triune that we're beloved in God the Father, and then we're kept for Jesus Christ. Now, the interesting thing about this Greek word for, for the word for could also tr be translated by. I, I honestly believe that Jude is, has both in mind here, that we are kept for and by Jesus. We're, we're kept for him. We're kept by him. Uh, I, it reminds me of this, the, what Jesus said in John chapter 10. The words will be on the screen. Let's, if you can, uh, if you could read it with me, let's read it together. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. It's not a, that's not a case for this, this God who's triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't know what else is, but yeah, he keeps us. He keeps us. This is why Sanctus was able to answer to his torturers, I am a Christian. Nothing you do to me is going to change that. And it's not because of something I'm doing. It's, something, it's, it's entirely because of what the, my, the God, the Father, is doing and what Jesus is doing and keeping me. I can answer this because of who my identity rests in. I am a Christian, period. Like if you're called by the sovereign and all-powerful God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, then before you were male, before you were female, or whatever birth name your parent gave you, you are a what? Christian. And it gets better. This is the second point. <laughs> what does the Christian have? Okay, this, so so Jude's going to tell us, like, here, here's, here's what you have. 
know, you've got some people who are creeping in, and they've cre- crept in unnoticed. But let me remind you, before I even get to them, what you have. And in verse 2, he says, May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. In, in light of the fact that you're called, uh, in light of that, the fact that you're, you're beloved, in light of the fact that you are kept, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you because of who it is that called you, because of the love that has been lavished upon you and the one who is keeping you. And what I find interesting with this is just the parallel between verse 1 and verse 2. And I'll have them on the screen here. Uh, First is, uh, because you've been called by God, you've received the what? The mercy of God. You see that? This is so loaded. I, I love this. Because, because you've been called by God, as a, by, by default, you have received the mercy of God. What is the de- definition of mercy? Mercy is receiving that which you did not deserve. Like, God didn't call you because you deserve to be called by him. You didn't deserve salvation. In fact, uh, some have said, well, well, if God called me, why, why didn't he call my neighbor? That's not fair. Well, the reality is, is if God is a fair God, all of us would be in hell. The reality is, is that we didn't deserve to be called, and he called us anyway, and the, 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 by definition, we have received his mercy. I've often thought, man, what, what, I wonder what that would be like if I used that next time I'm pulled over for going above the speed limit. <laughs> mercy, officer, mercy. Uh, but because, that's not all, because you are beloved in God, because you're loved by him, you have the peace of God. And it's not just any peace. This is shalom. This is the kind of peace you get with the presence of God. If you are beloved by God, you have the presence of God in your life, around you. He's for you. He's not against you. There's the, the, my, most of you know this because you've been here for long enough to hear me say it multiple times, but I just can't say it enough, that... Uh, there is, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, and go, and Romans 8 continues, like, so then what can separate us from the love of God? Can anything separate us from the love of God? Can even your own hand separate you from the love of God? The answer is no. No. Nothing. You're beloved. This is an agape beloved. This is an unconditional beloved. This is, this is, he loves you no matter what kind of love. And because of that, you have the peace of God. You have the peace of God. Like, when Sanctus was being tortured, there was something there that enabled him to repeat, I am a Christian. Now, I, if you were to, like, when we get to heaven, you see Sanctus and ask him, hey, so how did that, what was that like? He'll probably tell you, well, it sucked. Like, it hurt. Uh, I would have chosen a different way. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want that. But then if you asked him, Sanctus, what was it that enabled you to continue to repeat that answer? He said, man, I am beloved. Like, no matter what they took from me, whether it was limb or, 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 or my family or even my own head, what were they going to be able to take from me? Nothing, because I'm beloved by the God of all creation. I am loved. 
So they couldn't take anything from me. Uh, and not only that, because you are kept for and by Jesus, you can you know, use what order you want to use, either kept for or kept by and for Jesus, whatever. The fact is that you're kept, and because you're kept, you know that you're loved. You're loved by God. You are loved by God. Because you are a Christian, you have received and you are experiencing the mercy, peace, and love of God. Amen? Like, that's, just, that's just two verses in Jude. That's just the first two verses in Jude. And, and the threat, though, the threat is that there are these people who've crept in. He says in verse 3, he says, You know, beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation... I just, I just wanted to unpack kind of the same stuff Paul unpacked in Romans chapter 8. I just, I just wanted to do that with you. But, but man, he goes on, he says, but I need to remind you to contend. That word contend means to fight. It's a wrestling match. I mean, there, is, there, are, there are high stakes here. This is, this is not just some, some, some joke. This is not some whimsical thing. This is not, this is not choosing different shoes you know, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the store or, or what shoes you're going to wear for the day or what, what, what clothing you're going to wear for the day. This is, about, this is about salvation. This is about Jesus. This, this is about everything. And he's got these people who have crept in. They, they not just cre- the, the word crept literally means they snuck in and they snuck in unnoticed. What I find interesting here is that if you survey the New Testament and, these, and the epistles, if you survey the epistles, what's staggering to me is that a lot of the contending that Paul and the other writers of the New Testament had to do, they had to do it with people inside the church. Did you notice that? Like these people crept in and crept in, and the contending was with people who were already in there. John says, you know, in John chapter 2, the first John chapter 2, he says, you know, they, they were of us, but they never really belonged with us. They, were, they, they never really belonged, but they were there. And so he says, contend, because there's a danger here. And what are we contending for? For the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. That's what we're contending for. And, and you know, why? why? Why use the energy to contend? The enemy is cunning. He is cunning, and he has been in the business of deceiving for thousands and thousands of years, brothers and sisters. Like, the, the enemy, the devil, has been at it for a long time, and so have the demons. And they've, they've, been, that, they've been at it. And um, if, if, if you don't know this faith that you're holding on to, if you're, not, if you're not trying to wrap your mind around this faith that you've embraced, and when you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, listen, the enemy is really good at, de- at, at, at using deception that's built upon the ignorance of God's people. You know that? And so if your foundation is weak, the enemy can use that. So you can have somebody knock at your door. Did you know that John chapter 1 really is talking about Jesus being created? And you're like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I never really thought about that before. Like, like, like in that way. But in this case, in Jude, these Christians, these, these, these people have crept in. And he goes on to say, and we're, the rest of Jude unpacks this, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about who these false teachers are because 
man, it's the, it's, he gives a whole list. That's next week. He says, um, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for condemnation. There are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Here's, here's the crazy thing. This is true, I think, of every false teacher. The, the, there are two areas that they attack. The grace of God and the character and nature of Jesus Christ. Because if you pervert those two, especially if you attack Jesus, then, then everything else falls apart. So if you attack the nature and character of Jesus, then you pervert the grace of God. You know, uh, and so, and, and, and on it goes. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul, Paul says this. He says, of, of these false teachers, of false teachers, he said, for such men are false apostles. So in, for, in 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote this, the, this church, this letter, because there were people who were claiming to be, be apostles of Jesus who were really imposters. They were, they were false apostles. And they were, they were confusing the Christians um, on what it meant to know Jesus and what it meant to live for Jesus. And these people would creep in usually after Paul like, would move on to the next city to, to bring the gospel. And he says, he says, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, listen, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So Satan and his demons are not going to present themselves as they truly are. They're going to present themselves as something good and wholesome, something that, that seems it could be true. They're really good at that. And, and false teachers, listen, I, just as you do, a, if you do a survey of the false teachers just in, in, um, in our lifetime, uh, I think uh, some false teachers, they know they're pawns of Satan. They know they're working for Satan, but most of them, they don't start out that way. Their motives are pure, you know, or, or seemingly pure. Their intentions seem to be right. And somewhere along the way, they, they, they deviate off course. And before long, they become false teachers. I mean, we see this all throughout church history. And so Jesus says, contend. Contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Well, Why? Why? Because it's true. From Genesis to Revelation, we, we read of this faith that was handed down to us, was delivered to us. As Adrian Rogers uh, coined it, he said, of, of our faith, he said, it is divine in its conception, it is complete in its content, it is absolutely unique in its character. Well, what is it? Well, uh, it's come to us, it, it, it's, it's abbreviated to us in various creeds. <laughs> it's amazing to me how many Christians are not familiar with these creeds that have been around for, for centuries, or ancient creeds, creeds that just echo, what, what is this faith that we're holding on to? One such creed is the Apostles' Creed. Any of you have heard of it before? We, and now, I mean, every, there are several songs um, I think the newsboys do a version of, of the Apostles' Creed and, and some others, and sometimes we sing it in, in our churches. 
The Apostles' Creed is one of them. There's, there's, uh, there's four, I think, primary creeds. There's the Apostles' Creed. There's the Nicene Creed, which we've recited here. There's the uh, Chalcedonian Creed, and there's the Athanasian Creed. But the Apostles' Creed, the Apostles' Creed is the shortest one. It's, I, we don't know how old it is. We think, we think it, was somewhere, it was written somewhere, like in its entirety, it was written somewhere in you know, the second century. But, um, but it's good. Some say that it was believed that the early church would ask questions of those being baptized, and, and those being baptized would have to reply in the affirmative if they were going to be baptized. Like, do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Yes, I do. Um, do you, and in Jesus, his, holy, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, you know, and on and on. Yes, I do. In fact, let's read the, let's read the Apostles' Creed together. Let's, let's start from the beginning. Ready? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. And by the way, Catholic means universal. So I believe that the church is global is what that statement is being, is the statement that's being made. That's the faith that we received. And, and Jude's saying, hold on to it. Don't let go. Contend, but just don't hold on to it. Contend for it. Well, how do you contend for it? Use your brain. Like, 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 God gave you a brain. He gave you eyes. Most of us, right? My eyes are starting to dim right now. I, gotta, I have to wear glasses when I go to see the movies. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, use, use what God gave you. And... And, and read his word and study it and listen to it. And just don't study it, but, but talk about it. Share it. You know, because there are these ungodly people who pervert the grace of, the, of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So contend, wrestle, fight. Uh, another place in the New Testament, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, it's okay to have questions. You know, work through your questions. Just don't, just don't accept my word on Sunday morning as being like, uh, being without error. Go to the scriptures yourself. Examine the word of God. And, and, and so these guys, or these, maybe they're females too, maybe they're men and women who, are, who crept in, who were, who were unnoticed, and uh, were a danger to this church. You know, the, when Paul was in Ephesus, he spent probably about three years there. He said, before he left, he said to the elders, he said, you know, um, he said something similar to what Jude said, contend for the faith. He said, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves, or, um, that's not the right one, sorry, uh, Acts, I'm trying to go back to Acts. Acts chapter 20 he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. He describes these people as fierce wolves. They'll come in. Will they just kind of show up and then leave? No. 
they'll be among you. He said, they'll come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And that's what false teachers do. You know, it becomes, it's, it's not about the glory of Christ, it's about their own glory. And so he says, contend. Contend for the faith. And here's the thing that I, that I was gleaning uh, with, these, with these verses. Look at, look at verse 4. It says, for, he, so he says, they've crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. And then he, he describes their character. They're ungodly people. Well, because they're ungodly people, they pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. And I think, I think what Judah's saying here is that by their, with their character and their lifestyle that perverts the grace of our God, that's how they deny that Jesus is Master and Lord. Like, don't miss that point here. I don't know if, it has, if it's so much to do with what they're saying. I think it's part, in part, has something to do with what they're saying to these, to these Christians. But I think it has a lot to do with their lifestyle, too. You know, that, like, hey, it's, it's okay. You know, you, 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 you said a prayer, and that's, that's good enough. Now you can just live the way you want to live, man. Like, just live it up. And, and, and whatever else. And, then, and so this is how they deny our only master and Lord. The word master there can also mean sovereign. Our sovereign Lord. Um, it's, a, it's a title of Jesus. This is how they deny him. And so, what's the point? The point is, who are you? How do you answer that question? How do you answer that question? Are you a Christian? And by Christian, you mean I am a doulos of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my master. He is good to me. And I'm called, and I'm beloved, and I'm kept, and I'm holding on to that. And this is the treasure that I, that I, that I cherish, and, and it's the treasure I hold on to. And as I hold on to it, and I, I want to tell others about it. Like that, is that who you are? Is that who you are? Like, this is a faith that Jude unpacks here that, that, that's worth, you know, guarding your whole life, but not just guarding. It's a treasure worth <laughs> mining with your mind. And, like, and what I mean by mining is I'm, t- I'm using that word from our Mining God's Word course. It's just diving into the scriptures and and seeing. I mean, I just showed you in four verses who you are. Really, in just two verses. In just two verses, who you are. You're called, you're beloved, you're kept. And the question I'll leave you with is simply this. You know, are you a doulos of Jesus Christ? Are you a servant of the Lord Jesus? And maybe you're here and you're like, man, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who I am. I, I'm not even sure I'm a Christian. And here's the thing. Like, like maybe, maybe the def- God's call is, he's, he's giving that to you right now. Maybe that's what's happening right now. Maybe your heart's stirring and you're like, man, I, I've never heard this before. I, I've never heard it said this way. And I, 
Man, I want, I want that. I want to know what it is to be beloved by, by God the Father. I want to know what it's like to be kept by and for Jesus Christ. I want that in my life. I, I don't think I've ever had it. And if that's you, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be, what, brothers and sisters? Saved, forgiven, redeemed, made a child of the God of all creation. And, 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 and those things that Jude opens up with will become true of you, and, and no one could ever take that from you. Amen? And uh, I would implore you, man, before you leave here, that you pray and you, you just, you got, God, like when I was in my living room praying, I didn't have, I didn't know what theological language to use. I just talked to God when nobody was around. I just encourage you to do the same. We're going to close in a song. And as we close in the song, as you sing it, um, I want you to think about what we're singing. Because um, what we sing matters. What we sing matters. And so... Uh, I'll come up and conclude in prayer after, after the song. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.